Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Anita J and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, November 7th, 2017. It's the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting. And today we're reading from the big book and we are on page XV the Roman numeral XV, the forward to the second edition. We're starting with the very first paragraph that says, since the original forward, reading through three paragraphs ending dependence upon God. And we'll be commenting on all three paragraphs. Today's readers for the 12 steps, Amanda S., the 12 Traditions, Anita L., and the readers of the text this morning are Mary B. and Julie R., with Rebecca F. waiting in the wings. The share ID for yesterday, Monday, November 6th, the share IDs, excuse me, are for the 7 a.m. meeting, 10,641, 10,641. And for the 10 a.m. meeting, it's 10,643. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We're self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And now I will ask Amanda S. to read OA's 12 Steps. Amanda, press star one. Can you hear me, Anita? Now I can. Thank you, Amanda. Okay. Excellent. Good morning, Anita. Good morning, everyone. This is Amanda S., and I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater calling from Pennsylvania. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. 
too, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrong. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me serve, and I pass. Thanks so much, Amanda S. I will now ask Anita L. to read the 12 traditions for us. Good morning, everyone. This is Anita L. from outside of Philadelphia, Uh, the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you so much, and have a good day, everybody. Thanks so much, Anita L. How our meeting works. 
Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we're discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is of six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. So to share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, and then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. So today we resume our study of the big book and we are on the forward to the second edition, beginning on XV the first three paragraphs, beginning the, since the original foreword and it ends with dependence upon God. And I'll now ask Mary B. to get us going. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much, Anita. This is Mary B. gratefully recovered in Central California. Forward to the second edition. Figures given in this forward describe the fellowship as it was in 1955. Since the original forward to the book was written in 1939, a wholesale miracle has taken place. Our earliest printing voiced the hope that every alcoholic who journeys will find the Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous at his destination. Already continues the early text, twos, and threes and fives of us have sprung up in other communities. 16 years have elapsed between our first printing of this book and the presentation in 1955 of our second edition. In that brief space, Alcoholics Anonymous has mushroomed into nearly 6,000 groups whose membership is far above 150,000 recovered alcoholics. Groups are to be found in each of the United States and all of the provinces of Canada. AA has flourishing communities in the British Isles, Scandinavian countries, South Africa, South America, Mexico, Alaska, Australia, and Hawaii. All told, promising beginnings have been made in some 50 foreign countries and U.S. possessions. Some are just now taking shape in Asia. Many of our friends encourage us by saying that this is but a beginning, only the augury of a much larger future ahead. The spark that was to flare into the first AA group was struck at Akron, Ohio in June 1935 during a talk between a New York stockbroker and an Akron physician. Six months earlier, the broker had been relieved of his drink obsession by a sudden spiritual experience. Following a meeting with an alcoholic friend who had been in contact with the Oxford groups of that day, 
He had also been greatly helped by the late Dr. William D. Silkworth, a New York specialist in alcoholism who was now accounted no less than a medical saint by AA members and whose story of the early days of our society appears in the next pages. From this doctor, the broker had learned the grave nature of alcoholism. Though he could not accept all the tenets of the Oxford groups, he was convinced of the need for moral inventory, confession of personality defects, restitution to those harmed, helpfulness to others, and the necessity of belief, belief in and dependence upon God. Oh, again, I am Mary, grateful, recovered in Central California. And there's so much here. We have some wonderful people who are so good at sharing with us the history of AA. And um, if anybody's interested in the tenants of the Akron group, they can be found on page 263. But I want to share a personal story, and I have to talk fast because, as you know, my stories are kind of long. In the mid-1980s, um, I had, was attending a conference, an OA conference in L.A. And about a month from then, I had a trip planned to South Africa to um, spend a month with my son who was working there at the time. He sent a ticket for mom to come and spend that month of a sabbatical with him. And uh, we were at the very end of the conference in that last meeting where people share. And at the end of the meeting, we stood, held hands. There might have been a 100 or so people in the room. And we went around the room, and each of us said where we were from. And right across from me were three women from South Africa. And as soon as we finished the prayer, I jumped on them. I was so excited. And one of the women started to cry. She said they hadn't mentioned where they were from because they thought they would be rejected. And so many people came up to them. I was so proud of us, <laughs> all of us, and hugged them and welcomed them. <clears throat> and a month later, when I arrived in South Africa, I had not seen my son for a year and a half. He and his future wife greeted me at the airport, took me to dinner. I was so excited to be there. And they said, oh, mom, tomorrow we're taking you to and some wonderful place. And I so proudly said, I'm so sorry, darling. I am not available tomorrow. I have plans. Some friends are picking me up and taking me to a meeting in Pretoria. They about fell off their chairs. <laughs> they couldn't believe it. And sure enough, I was picked up and I was taken to that meeting in Pretoria, South Africa, where I was able to, uh, to speak that evening. And uh, there was, I remember one young girl and sitting right in the front of the room who cried through the whole meeting. They were so hungry for recovery, and it was such a joy. And I could go on and on about meetings in England and on cruise ships and in Mexico 
But my time is up, and I were those women there by accident? I don't think so. I don't think I would have I would have been able to find a meeting in South Africa if they hadn't been at that conference. And um, it's just a joy to carry this message anywhere in the world. Thank and I'm you. grateful to be here today. Thank you very much. I pass. Thanks, Mary B. Thanks, Mary B. Uh, I'm now going to open it up. If you could say your name once. Julie R. Joe M. Madam. Joe M. Just a minute. Joe M. Madam. Julie R. Larry K. Gotcha, Julie. Larry K. Gina R. Gina or Tina? Gina. Gina R. Vassal. Who? Vassal. Vassa, Vassa, Vassa. Oh, okay. Anita. Monica T. Monica. All right, that's seven. Thank you so much. So we have Julie, we have um, Joe M, Matt, Larry, Gina, and Vasa and Monica. All right, Julie, good morning. You're up. Good, mo- good morning, Anita. This is Julie R. Recovered from California. And there's so much any things in here, but I want to just focus on a few where it talks about the broker had been relieved of his drink obsession. You know, it doesn't say that Bill stopped drinking. It didn't say that, you know, he's white knuckling it or he's having, you know, like I did all those years. It's he was relieved of the obsession. And that's so important because I don't want just abstinence only. I don't want to have to not go into bakeries. I don't want to, I mean, I cook. It's, my husband already bought me $300 worth of baking ingre- ingredients for Christmas. I want to be able to do that. And thank God the obsession has left. Um, and on the uh, next page, XVI, it talks about he uh, suddenly realized that in order to save himself, oh, sorry, wrong paragraph. Though he could not mm-hmm. accept all of the tenants of the Oxford groups, he was convinced of, you know, some of it. Well, which one wasn't he convinced of? deflation of ego you know it doesn't say that and that's the first tenet and it's kind of funny because what is my biggest issue it's my ego my need to be right I have to control you got to see it my way and when I came into the rooms of OA I thought I just had a problem with food I had a problem with Julie I didn't know how to live so therefore I had to be this you know be better than everybody. I had to work harder. I had to get more awards, blah, blah, blah. Deflation of ego is so key. And, you know, when I do my nightly review, that pops up, I would say, three times during the week at least. And it's like, thank God I get to continue to do this program. But I love that because he totally understood that he needed to do a moral inventory, confess his, of his personality defects, restitution to those harmed, he wasn't ready to do the deflation of ego. And um, I'm just so glad that I got to see that, yeah, I've got uh, way bigger issues than the food that I put in my mouth. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thanks so much, Julia. And Joe M., you're up. Thank you, and good morning, everyone. My name is Joe M. I'm a compulsive overeater in Minnesota. One of the things that strikes me about this passage is the pieces of data that they offer and then what's underneath the pieces of data. 
6,000 groups, Alcoholics Anonymous has mushroomed into nearly 6,000 groups. Well, 6,000 is a piece of data. But then they go on to say whose membership is far above 150,000, which is another piece of data, recovered alcoholics. And to me, the 150,000 means something because of what it represents, recovered alcoholics. That's the substance. That's the heart of what's going on. And then later they, they say the spark that was to flare into the first AA group was actually just two people um, when Bill W. brought the message to Dr. Bob in June 1930, or he brought the message earlier than that, but June 1935 um, when Dr. Bob got sober. And then later on they talk about, um, they, they convey how is it that these people were able to get and stay sober. And it's the, um, the convinced of the need for moral inventory, confession of personality defects, restitution to those harmed, helpfulness to others, and the necessity of belief in and dependence upon God. So they're not just giving pieces of data. They're giving context to the data, which is extremely important. It's vital. Every time I hear the piece of news that a new OA meeting is starting, what I want to know is, what is the message that that meeting is going to carry? What is the recovery that's underneath the starting of that meeting? Because I don't think it matters that meetings are springing up. What matters is, what is the message that is being carried at those meetings? And I look at the data of my own life, and I think the same thing. You know, I could throw out pieces of data about myself. I could throw out a piece of data about chronological time of abstinence, but that doesn't mean anything. What means something is I've had a transformation of thought and attitude, and I know exactly what I'm doing when I sit across the table from a compulsive overeater and I can share my story with her. When I'm at my home group and I get to tell my story, I can share my story with my group. That I've had a transformation of thought and attitude. My sponsees call me every day. I know what message I'm carrying to them. So with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thanks so much, Joe M. Good morning, Madam. You're up next. Here I am, Anita. Thank you. Here I am, Anita. Thank you for your service. Uh, good morning, everyone. This is Madam Compulsive Overeater. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at this right now. So, in the brief space, Alcoholics Anonymous is mushrooms. It's amazing. All these groups that got started within a few short years, the 60 years that I left, is followed by leaps and bounds. And it's amazing. And this is really all, all the different countries and everything that AA is starting to prosper in. It's the augury. And augury means a sign, a sign or an omen of good things ahead for the future. It's, it's amazing. If it wasn't for that um, uh, New York stockbroker, Bill W., going to, meet, uh, Bill, going to meet Dr. Bob, we wouldn't be here today. It's amazing that Evie Thatcher wound up at his house to see he, uh, so he wouldn't go to jail. He went to uh, testify to Bill. If it wasn't for these little things coming together, like one thing after another, like dominoes falling, we would never be here today. It's amazing. A lot of this was, you see the hand of God in a lot of this, how these different, different situations all came together. And uh, thank, thank, thanks to Dr. William D. Silkworth, who helped Bill realize and uh, that he had a problem in the beginning as well. All these people helped each other, and uh, that's the reason why we're all sitting here today on the, on the phone. And I'm grateful for that. I wouldn't be here either. And um, that's I'm very grateful for all of this uh, action for everybody being on the line today. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you very much, Matt M. 
Larry K. followed by Gina R. Good morning. Good morning, Anita. It's uh, Larry K. Uh, <laughs> recovered, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. Um, you know, I, I'll just focus on this this miracle. See, when when terminal cancer disappears, lots of doctors they they recognize these events as well. They're statistical improbabilities. You know, they they refer to them as remissions spontaneous remissions and they, they they may call them medical miracles but there there's generally no offer of any supernatural explanation see we don't care what color you are we don't care what your bank statement is i mean we prefer women around here <laughs> no we, we we don't care if you're a man or a woman you're welcome here if you do the work doesn't matter. The steps don't didn't give a rat's you know what what I thought about them, just that I did them, then I would that I would get a result. And and this was only this only appeared to be hopeless. And you know, you know other folks may may reference you know this miracle that happened to me as some you know something other than a supernatural event. They may interpret processes of mind and consciousness and so forth. Um, I, I know what happened to me. Here's the point. See, I know that a miracle took place when I, when I was brought to this recovered state of being. See, it doesn't matter to me whether other folks who are much smarter than me wish to characterize what happened to me with skepticism and doubt. See, even since 1939, when this book was published, there's been thousands upon thousands upon thousands of lives that have been lifted from the scrap heap. You're on the line here, and they were set on a pathway of love and tolerance and service. See, that's what happened to me. You know, divorced twice, two liposuction surgeries. You know, busted windshields, busted relationships. This wasn't based on some clinical thing that happened to me, some evidence-based clinical thing. This miracle didn't come by some randomized, double-blind study of blah, 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 blah. No, see, this, this treatment of, of spirit, spiritual ego deflation was effective. And, it, and, and you know what? It'll, 100% of the time, it'll, 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 it'll happen for you if you're ready to follow the procedure correctly, if you're ready. So the steps ensure that we transition from an ego-driven individualist, that's who I was, self-centered to the extreme, to an other-centered member of the human race. There's only two ways to live your life. One is as, as if nothing is a miracle. The other is as, is, is as if everything is a miracle. God makes that happen. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you very much, Larry Kay. Gina R. followed by Vasa O. Good morning, Gina. Good morning, Anita. This is Gina R. Gratefully recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body in mm. Green Valley, Arizona. I am going to focus on the spark was to flare into the first AA group. Um, I was uh, privileged to have an experience yesterday where I really understand that I am part of that spark I am part of that that fire that flame that has to be present in order for this message to continue 
Um, I am in a new community here, and I'm coming from Colorado, where I was privileged to be part of a flare-up there of recovery and, and watching people, including myself, get recovered. And then I moved to Arizona, and I am becoming acquainted with the face-to-face meetings here, and I'm encountering um, what a lot of you who have been in the rooms a lot longer than me have are, are, have talked about. That has not been my experience. I am uh, I feel privileged to say that uh, my recovery has happened on these phones. I didn't have to slosh around in uh, the rooms of ineffective meetings or people trying to do their best but just being stuck in neutral. The meetings that I've attended here have been okay but not focused on this message and so that's been what I, I've done and to the point where someone asked me if I would please attend a meeting on an Indian reservation here. She said, They've never seen what recovery looks like, and she's including herself. She knows that she's she's not carrying the message the best way she can, and she's admitted to me that she's um, intimidated by people who know the big book, but she knows that that's what they need. And so I went to this meeting yesterday, and I, I didn't know what to expect. I just asked God to let me be that that light. And at the end of the meet or during the meeting, they were on a part of the big book in how it works. It happened to be a, a big book um, focused meeting, but they didn't understand the text. And I was delighted that not only did I understand it, but I was able to convey it in such a way that it made sense to them. They lit up, and at the end of the meeting, one of the women came over and she said, "I believe God sent you here." So. I take this seriously, and I am so grateful for those who came before me and all of you who are around me today who continue to bring this message and support and buoy my recovery and keep me in this book. And with that, I pass. Thanks so much for sharing that, Gina R. And Vasa O, you're up. Good morning. Thank you. Good morning, Anita, for your service. I'm Vasa, grateful, grateful, recover, compulsive reader, calling from from Massachusetts. Uh, no, from Florida now. I get confused where I am. We come in the winter, spend it in Florida. So forgive me if I make mistakes. <laughs> Anyways, it is amazing how this program has progressed over the years. Um, I I wanted to bring it in my own country, like when I was there, like ten years ago. But I was there in such, for such a short time, it was just impossible. But I did leave the big book to my brother. He was struggling with uh, drug and alcohol. I don't know if he did anything with it because we went to, I went to visit him. Years later, I, there was no change in that area with him. But anyways, and I am really, really seriously thinking to um, bring this program in my own country, Macedonia, and I need to call the World Service. I'm sure there's more, there's, uh, there's more progress now, you know, the translations and everything like that. I just need to explore. But anyways, um, it's a miracle that I was led uh, to come to Overeaters Anonymous from my higher power, which I call God. 
I, I don't know where I would be today. I'd probably be dead. And I did come for the vanity. I, you know, I really, I, there was nothing more that I wanted to do, just lose the weight, and I was just going to leave the program. I thank God I stayed and I listened, you know, that, you know, if I went back, if I left the program, I'd go back into the, my addiction again, and I just listened and I listened. And I was, again, it's such a gift. You know, I was given the gift of abstinence right from the beginning because I had the gift of desperation. And, uh, and I've stayed, you know, and I've worked the 12 steps because I didn't want to go back into the food addiction. And I, I came for the vanity. I always say, but I stayed for the sanity. And uh, it's just, it's such a gift, you know, and I want to give it to everybody, but not, not everybody wants it, you know. I, you know, people have to be really desperate to want to want it, and they get and they get it here. Even if they don't get it right away, as long as they keep coming, they get it eventually. So, but I keep coming. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thanks so much, Vasa O. And good morning, Monica T. You're up. Good morning, Anita. Good morning, everyone. This is Monica T. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Florida. Here we are, forward to the second edition. And this is a this chapter here is a historical historical account of the first twenty years of of AA. So they're going from nineteen thirty five to nineteen fifty five. And in the first paragraph there, in the first sentence, they're they're talking about a wholesale miracle has taken place. Our earliest printing voiced the hope that every alcoholic who journeys with will find a fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous at his destination. Hope, 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 hope. You know, and that's what we're trying to offer on this line, too, is a lot of hope for everyone who is still in the throes of this disease, who, you know, in that hopeless state of mind and body. There is a solution. There is a way out. And that hope, you know, the hope for the alcoholics, this book was a great hope for them because before that, there was absolutely no hope for alcoholics. If you were a real alcoholic, you were going to end up in an asylum, jail, or dead. And suddenly this comes on, and here are people. And in the next paragraph, about five lines down, we see 150,000 what? Recovered alcoholics. I have that in green, which means a lot of hope. 150,000 recovered. You know, they're not drinking, and they're happy about it. And this is in 20 years, 150,000. And I know some of you have heard these facts before, but I'm going to share them again. In OA, in 1990, there were 150,000 people in OA. And the 12 and 12 came out in 1990. In 2010, OA was down to 50,000 people. In 2013, the average meeting had nine people. And in 2014, we're back up a little bit, 56,000 people in OA. And I always like to point out the word recovered. So this is the fourth time here we've seen the word recovered. We haven't even gotten into the regular chapter yet. And they're not afraid to use this word. Um, Then the third paragraph, they're talking about the New New York stockbroker. Of course, this is Bill W., and an Akron physician, and this is Dr. Bob. 
and they met on June 10, 1935. And of course, they are the co-founders of AA. And it talks about the broker had been relieved. He'd been, he'd been, he'd been given freedom from his drink obsession by a sudden spiritual experience following a meeting with an alcoholic friend. Of course, that alcoholic friend is Ebby Thatcher. And Ebby Thatcher is the one we'll read about him later. He comes to, to Bill, and he carries a message to Bill. He gives Bill the message that he needs a spiritual solution. And then it also we're hearing here that Dr. Silkworth had given Bill the physical and mental message that he had a disease. It's not your fault, Bill. You've got a disease, and there's a physical aspect to it. You are sick, and I've gone way over my time. Thank you. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> but it was riveting. <laughs> All right. Who else would like to share on these first three paragraphs? Harlan, Harlan, Janice M. Okay, R. All right, hold on. I have to get Janice M. In. (laughs) (laughs) And Nessa R. And Barbara E. And Harlan, Leah. Who who's shouting for you? Leah M. Okay. Leslie W. Leslie, let's see if I can get all you guys in. And I I apologize if there's not everybody here. Harlan, Barbara, Janice, Nessa, Leah, and Leslie W. All right. Good morning, Harlan. Good morning, Anita. Thank you for your service, and thank you to Team Tuesday for making this magnificent meeting possible. I'm so glad to be part of it. I'm honored. I'm Harlan G., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. My very life is in debt to every one of these giants who walked before me. My life is in debt to everything that we're reading about today, for it was, for it was not that. For if it was not for that, it's early here, for it was not for that, uh, those events and those people, I would be dead in a piano case in Chicago, Illinois. Monica summed it up beautifully. Uh, we didn't get a yeehaw this morning, but okay, I'll forgive her. Um, but she summed it up beautifully. Let's take a look at some things here that are staring us in the face that are very, very important in my opinion. We have the growth of an unlikely fellowship brought to the world by unlikely people. Bill Wilson was 43 years old when the big book was written with three and a half years of sobriety. I'm 63 years old with almost 19 years, 18 and a half years of abstinence. I'm lucky I can knock out a coherent text message. Dr. Bob was almost destitute financially He had been drinking for years. He was in the Oxford group longer than Bill. Abby Thatcher was nobody special. But what happened here was magic. It was God. It was absolutely God. And as was said earlier, everything's a miracle or nothing's a miracle. Bill Wilson goes into the town's hospital and meets Dr. Silkworth and learns of the allergy of the body and the twist of the mind. Abby Thatcher, through the Oxford group, brings him a solution to the problem. And to the world was brought AA. And from this sprung OA. 
and it's very sad. Monica is 100% correct. We're shrinking. This works. This uncut, pure, big book message works. Look at the growth of what you're seeing here. What are they doing that we're not doing? They're paying attention to an uncut, undiluted message of recovery that is found in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Yes, there are many people who recover from other methods. Yes, there are many people who don't like the big book. And to those I say, if what you're doing works for you, bless your heart. But for people like me who are desperate, I need this book. I need this method. I need this message or I'll be dead. This is AA's beginnings that they're talking about here. AA now is in 160 countries. OA is in 60 countries. We are shrinking. We could do certainly a better job. But one day at a time, one person at a time, we have to be that copy of the big book. It is this sentence in the big book that I must hang on to today, and it's on page 88. It works. It really does. And with that. Perfect. Thanks so much, Harlan. Wonderful. All right, Barbara E. and then Janice M. Good morning, everyone. It's Barbara E. in New Jersey. So grateful to be here. The big book is definitely a manual for living. Got some bad news about one of my family members last night. Uh, and I immediately went to pages 65 and 68 in the big book. I needed to do a fear inventory. I knew where to go. I needed to do a harm in- inventory as well. What was my part in it? Because the member of my family is living in the house. I needed to say, what could I do differently? And I need to remember to not take over, want to control. This is not, I can be helpful, I can be supportive. Where did I get all this? I got it from the big book. My first instinct was to stay in bed, not even get onto the meeting, and I love this meeting this morning. Just stay in bed and cover my head. And I said, no, I need to pray. I need to breathe. I need to look at my part in it, my fears. Where was I relying? I would never, never have thought of this without this beautiful book. So my thanks to Dr. Bob, to Bill Wilson, to you, to Anderson, to the Rockefellers, senior and junior, for their part in it. For everyone here, the big book is the way to live my life today. And my gratitude is I didn't even think about food. That was not an option. How could I be of service? Where did I need to pull back? Where could, could I and should I rely on God? Thank you all. I pass. Thanks very, very much. And now, um, Janice M., good morning. Janice? Sorry, Janice. sorry. 
Yep, I hear. I, <laughs> good thing you didn't hear me because I said Anita J. I mean, I said Anita L, but I know it's Anita J. Good morning to you and good morning to everyone. Oh, was I glad I was muted. This is Janice Hammond. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. You know, I might go a little bit in a different direction. Um, you know, the physician, as was stated, was Dr. Bob. I mean, Dr. Uh, yeah, Dr. Bob. But yet, you know, he had the solution. He tried repeatedly. The the you know because he was from the Oxford group, so he had the the religious solution in those days, um, and he also had a plan of action. Did he not? He had the tenets, the tenets, which which. Um, you know, became the 12 steps, and that's what Dr., uh, that's what Bill W. had too. But notice, he did not, and neither did Abby, have the real grave nature that Dr. Silky told Bill when he was in the hospital, the town's hospital. So you see, we can have two, but we have to have three. We have to have the problem. What's the problem? That's what Dr. Silky gave them, gave Bill, was the grave nature of this disease. What does that mean, the grave nature? Well, this is very serious. This disease is fatal. I didn't know that my disease was fatal when I started, when I came in first in 1982. I thought, geez, I just have to, you know, lose weight. I didn't even, fatal? That that was the furthest thing from my mind. But this is the the point that Dr. Silky gave to to Bill, that he in turn could have the three components to have a spiritual experience. That's what Bill had. But I had a spiritual awakening. If you want to read it, it's on page 567. But notice, Abby, Abby, thank God for Abby. However, what it teaches me is Abby was a sponsor. He became a sponsor like to Bill. And so, you know, he brought the solution, he brought the tenants, but he didn't have the grave nature. And that's why today, through my experience that I've had before I came into a vision for you, I cannot depend upon a sponsor because the sponsor is a human being. I was in a group that the the, the leader, the sponsor, he, um, you know, he talked the talked the talk, but when it came to walk the walk in some very serious conditions, the group decreased. And only God, depending on God, does the increase. And it happens with recovered alcoholics, recovered compulsive overeaters. And that's why this group, A Vision for You, has increased. Just think of when we first started in 2012, started with, I don't know, 30, 50, and what the, what the membership is today because, God, we are dependent on God. And I think that's my job as a sponsor, to make sure they mm-hmm. don't depend upon me but depend upon God. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thanks so much, Janice. Nessa followed by Leah. Go ahead, Nessa. Thank you. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Nessa R., a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. So here um, we get a, a little short preview of uh, Bill's experience. You know, we are told how 
you know, once he uh, was separated from alcohol, one last time in the hospital, he had this um, spiritual experience. And uh, that, that wasn't my, my own experience. Um, you know, when I came into the room, I, I had the misguided belief that once I put down the food, everything would be okay. And like Bill, although I didn't know the big book then at all, um, um, like Bill, once the food was down, I would no longer want it. Um, and, and I was wrong. And I was wrong. I found, you know, painfully um, how wrong I was many times and just putting the food down alone um, wasn't enough. You know, otherwise I wouldn't be here. If, if that had been enough, all those diets uh, and weight loss programs that I had been in, you know, for years and years and years, many of them, they would have worked. You know, and he also talked about the doctor who told us um, the gravity of our malady, but he also tells us, you know, once that psychic change has occurred, the very same person who seemed doomed, who had so many problems he despaired of ever solving them, suddenly finds himself easily able to control his desire for alcohol. So how do I get there? He tells me how. The only effort necessary being that required to follow a few simple rules. Uh, for me, those simple rules are, number one, uh, entire abstinence. Identify my trigger foods, my trigger ingredients, my trigger behaviors, and abstain from them 100% and 100% of the time. And the next rule is work the steps faithfully as they are outlined in this book without any deviation. And that has brought me recovery. Not a sudden spiritual experience like Bill's, which I, I think very few people have. I think most people have the same experience I have had, but rather a gradual um, spiritual awakening as um, explained in the, in the appendix too. Um, that was my experience. You know, but there's, there's something undisputable here that it has to follow the putting down of the food and the faithful working of the steps. If I hadn't done that, I wouldn't be here today. And yes, um, uh, the, um, the many problems that I ever despaired of solving, um, now um, I'm able to handle. Uh, I, can, I don't even have to control my desire for my binge foods or my uh, in binge ingredients or my trigger behaviors because I don't want them. I don't have to control something that I don't want anymore. Um, and that is thanks to the recovery, to the um, psychic change that I was able to, to, um, to, to merit because it was not something I did with something that I received as a result of following these um, few simple rules. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you very much, Nessa. Good morning, Liam. Good morning, Anita. Pleasure to hear your voice. Uh, in that brief space, Alcoholics Anonymous has mushroomed into nearly 6,000 groups whose membership is far above 150,000 recovered alcoholics. And then at the bottom, many of our friends encourage us by saying that this is, only a, this is but a beginning only to augury, a sign of a much larger future ahead. You know... I just want to say that um, this program of recovery works, um, and it is uh, an attractive message. I've had the privilege and the honor of being in several communities that have mushroomed as a result of 
this this message and this attraction that's possible of course a vision for you is is one of those communities where here even on a phone line even though we don't have the opportunity to see one another um it's the message the fact that there is a message of hope that yes we can recover from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body and this can happen and does happen in Overeaters Anonymous. Unfortunately, sometimes in OA, in meetings, people talk about everything except how to recover, uh, you know, from our disease of compulsive overeating and the application of the 12 steps in their lives. And the fellowship is certainly very powerful, but it does not create the vital change that is necessary for someone like me, a real compulsive overeater. So people mean well. That's absolutely true. But the fellowship came out of the program, not the other way around. So the responsibility of this line, this meeting, and you know our responsibility as a group is to carry the good news of the transformation that's possible in Overeaters Anonymous. I believe God uses recovered people. I believe that um, I am the agent that God uses. I'm necessary. I'm certainly not sufficient in any change that a person makes, but we can be a catalyst. We can be a catalyst if we have pressed into these steps, had a transformation, a personality change sufficient to be recovered. And and then shout the good news of transformation, the experience of the 12 steps that has transformed us to a spirit-guided mind. I mean, it's remarkable, even on a phone line, before we cleared the member contact list, there were all 50 states of the nation represented, every state of the nation represented, and 39 countries. That's remarkable. <laughs> That's remarkable. Communication in OA is not an ordinary transmission of helpful ideals and attitudes. I'm wrapping up. It's born out of our kinship in suffering. It's born out of the uh, language of the heart and an obligation and a responsibility to teach an accurate representation of the program of recovery. And that is a method that works. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thanks so much, Leah M. Leslie, you have two minutes. Please use them. Thank you so much, Anita. This is Leslie W. Recovered in Tennessee. And uh, I just couldn't let this opportunity pass me by because I wanted to um, comment on twos and threes and fives of us have sprung up in other communities. Um, I would just, you know, like to say that it's because of this vision for you phone line that I've been able to find um, other women to build, to spring up around other women who I can, I can uh, uh, develop uh, relationships with and have now become a part of my um, community. And, uh, you know, I, I, I hear that um, we stand on the shoulders of spiritual giants, and I hear people say that. Um, but, you know, I, I just I couldn't let this moment pass me by without expressing my gratitude for some of my spiritual giants 
on this phone line today for giving me the good news of recovery. Leah M, Janice M, Harlan G, Larry K, Kim G, Melissa C, Allison L, Charles H, and KG, just to name a few. I have such gratitude for each of you showing me how to do this program and showing me how to walk like a, a woman of dignity and faith and grace and how to apply this program to my life each and every day. I thank you and I pass. Thanks very much, Leslie W. And uh, now I want to thank all of you who shared. Is it my imagination? Every meeting gets better. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. Now, the share ID, in case you'd like to hear this one again or you got in late, is 10,645. 10645 for the 7 a.m. November 7th meeting. We'll now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. So will Julie R. please read a vision for you for us? Hi, this is Julie R. Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we only know a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.